0: The Accidental Entrepreneur is produced by Hacker Law and brought to you through our affiliate relationships with the following sponsors. One of One Productions, the New Jersey-based podcast studio that produces and edits both audio and video podcasts. They sell equipment for the average podcaster and have even created a guesting kit exclusively for our listeners. North Authentic, the conscious hair care marketplace offering the cleanest brands from around the world. The Healthy Place, the e-commerce site with thousands of supplements to help you live a healthier life, along with natural solutions for chronic pain, stress, anxiety, depression, sleeplessness, and much, much more. And be sure to support the podcast by ordering some logo merchandise from our online store. Listen to all of our sponsors' commercials later in this episode and follow their links in the show notes to learn more about their products and services. Business? He was okay.
1: actually been doing business for a couple of years, but he finally started to make money so he didn't right. know what to do and he, he had to put everything together. So we caught them up, got them like a year and a half up and I just was really intrigued what is, oh, a podcast and started learning more about it yeah. and started consulting more and more. And then finally the founder said, Hey, I want to take this to the next level. And I said, you know, I'm really interested in this business. I and go. And this was like goes, what,
0: like 14 years ago? You said.
1: Yes, this was. Yeah. 14 so the only way to ago. listen to
0: podcasts was either on an iPod or those crazy yes. little extra devices you would buy that were like third party. You didn't get it yeah. on your phone. Yeah. Yeah. So it was yeah. hard to reach people, even, right?
1: So, so that is why our network is based around technology. So, frankly, the people really interested in podcasts, they were our audience. They knew how right. to get our shows downloaded. They knew what an iPod the early adopters was. They knew how knew the they business. knew what an RSS yeah. feed was. They understood yeah. how that all worked. Um, so here I came in and I'm just like, you know, this is interesting. And so he wanted to grow and after working there for about a year I said he wanted me to fi- hire somebody to be a business manager and I said, "You know, you don't need to hire somebody. I'll do it. I'll do it for 20 hours a week." Okay. Uh, so I straddled both my business and this company. For two and a half years
0: the information provided in these episodes is for entertainment purposes only it is not a guarantee of success or to be construed as advice of any kind should always seek advice from local licensed professionals before making any decisions the dictionary defines an entrepreneur as a person who organizes and manages any enterprise especially a business usually with considerable initiative and risk people often start a business without much choice perhaps due to a job loss or just being dissatisfied at work and they come up with an idea they just know can be successful. They become entrepreneurs by accident. That is to say, their success or failure happens by accident, not with intention. My name is Mitch Beinhacker. I'm a corporate attorney and a business advisor. You're listening to The Accidental Entrepreneur, my podcast about how to achieve success on purpose, not by accident. Join me along with our monthly guests where we share our knowledge and help you get a hold of your business. And now on to today's episode.
1: Well, hi, I'm Lisa LaPorte. I'm the CEO of This Week in Tech, which is a technology podcast network. I love that I can say that now. We have 13 shows and we've been around since 2005. And if you're interested in anything about tech, space, photography, please check us out at twit.tv.
0: All right. I want to welcome everybody to another episode of the Accidental Entrepreneur. Um, if you are listening on Apple, Google, uh, Amazon, Spotify, any of the other any other uh, directories, please give us a five star review if you like what you hear. And if you're watching us on YouTube and seeing Lisa's set and her whole stuff, you'll see stuff going on there. Please be sure to subscribe. Hit the subscribe button. Like us on. Um, on YouTube as well, so we can keep bringing good discussions, quality content, and hopefully uh, information to the people that need it. So, Lisa Laporte, thanks for joining me. From your professional set, I'm on my fake set in my in my office. Maybe during our discussion, your your director can turn it around and we could show everybody the whole thing. But um, but first, we're here to kind of tell your story, your backstory as an entrepreneur and the things that you did and. Corporate and then what you're doing now. Does that, is that a good way to kind of approach it?
1: Well, thank you for having me. Yes, I would like to talk about our technology podcast network. It's so nice to say podcast because yeah, people know what they I love are it. now.
0: Right. <laughs> We've been common. around that long. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah thank
1: you. All right. For well, let's me. start
0: with your story first, though. Sure. Okay.
1: Okay. Well, um, gosh, uh, I think I've always been an entrepreneur. It started out as a child, and I was told when I was 10, if I wanted money, Go out and get a job. So I had a babysitting job and a paper route.
0: (laughs) There you go. Started
1: there. And then through high school, I just didn't say no to, you know, jobs. If people were looking for, you know, anybody to help them with something, I would always, you know, jump in and, you know, participate and help. But I originally started to pursue a career in business. And I took over my first office at 18. I did not have somebody paying for my college education. So I was working multiple jobs. and going to school, and took over as as an assistant controller in my early 20s. And my original professional goal was to be a corporate controller to a small to medium-sized business by 35. And that may sound unusual to some people, but I really (laughs) liked accounting. I loved business. So I started working towards that, and I actually became that at 33. And after about three years of doing that role, I decided... I don't wanna work for somebody. I'm gonna start my own business. I really enjoyed learning the business that I ended up taking over as the corporate controller at, started out being eight to nine people. I started as an accounting manager. And by the time I left, I held three different titles at the company. We had over 300 entities under my purview. And I decided that if I'm gonna do if I'm going to stay in this for another 10 or 15 years, then yeah. I want to own my own business. Now, so what did this I company
0: left. do, Lisa? What did that company do? This was do?
1: actually commercial real estate.
0: Okay. So we
1: started off, when I started there, there was eight or nine of us, and we had three projects. And when I uh-huh. left, it was over two, 300 people. We had hundreds of projects under management, all different types of entities. And I got to like touch on... Various roles. So it was more than just an accounting manager and an accounting. I was the CFO for, I was our interim CFO for three years and then they hired somebody to be the CFO. And then I took over as the controller and just decided if I'm going to work this hard, I'm going to work for myself. Um, Yeah, sure. It's a
0: lot to be said for that, right?
1: I, I, I agree. I, I But it, I also realized I didn't have any experience because the more I realized in life, I had a lot of knowledge, but then you have to apply that knowledge. So then I applied the knowledge and had experience. But by 33, 34, 35, I feel like I became an expert in accounting. So okay. my philosophy around that was... Um, I really liked the accounting side of things, but I was also really good at, at solving problems. Uh-huh. And that's where I decided to take one client. I'm a corporate controller. I had a two-year-old. Okay. And I took one client on to see if I wanted to become an entrepreneur full-time. And in three months, I quit my job. And okay. Took and what lead-
0: were you going to do for them? all all finance and accounting for them well
1: i decided to put my services out there that i would be a cfo services on the go i could come in and do accounting work i could do cfo work and i very quickly found out i was doing more than that i was more or less doing cfo and coo work because when i had left was
0: operations right it always overlaps
1: the well the dot-com crash happened so this is we're going back to the you know mid-2000s when everything started blowing up and everyone Honestly, thought I was insane to quit a perfectly good-paying job to become an <laughs> entrepreneur when everybody was losing their jobs. Right. Um, and at the time, I, I I really thought about it because I was a breadwinner. And I had a young child, but I also just had this passion to build and grow. And I I, I have applied everything I had learned so well that I said, I'm doing this. So within um, about a year of having my own consulting business, I had the CFO title at three companies. I had a staff of two independent bookkeepers working with me if I walked into a business that was honestly, a mess. (laughs) I would need some support on the back end. Right. Absolutely. um, Well, you know, that was kind of
0: like you were like the pioneer in what's become the fractional CFO industry where these people are, you know, both operations and financial people to companies that can't afford to have somebody. I mean, most companies can't afford to have a full time CFO, certainly not both positions. Right. So it's, it's not practical for them to just do it uh, by hiring somebody, putting them on payroll, giving them benefits, and, and all the costs that are re- associated when they could share you with, I don't know how many you take on, but 10, 15, 20 other companies, just a much better way to do things.
1: Well, it's funny because now I see there's like CFO services to go. There's all these yeah, things, everywhere, apps right. that have popped up. I mean, I think the pandemic has allowed other forms of independent work to, to blossom, but I did this back before. I mean, I didn't even have a website. Right. Um, I received. All my clients through word of mouth I, I had built a pretty solid professional deck before I had left the company I was at and I already had my feelers out there with a few companies and yeah. Um, and yeah so I, I, I was on I feel early in that in that role and people needed me I mean companies yeah. were downsizing in droves they didn't understand how to pivot their businesses so right. I had a lot of fun walking into several different industries. I probably worked with 30 to 50 different types of industries over the course of 10 years. And um, it was just exciting for me. I, I discovered how to resolve and help people solve problems and help them pivot their bus- businesses.
0: Yeah. So, um, I, I think your timing was good too. While everybody was criticizing you, it uh, ironically was really the time when people couldn't hire full-time and they still needed the services. So it was just, yes. yeah. And
1: I just pretty much kept it a, a low profile because I had so many people telling me about losing their job and all this stuff. And I'm like, Wow. I walked away from equity and six figures. And within you know two years, I was billing out three times my former salary and doing super well. So right. I, I found it to be very successful, but I also learned a lot in that process. And the one thing I always tell anyone, if you're going to become an entrepreneur, always be learning. If you're not winning, you're learning. Yeah. You have to constantly continue to stay on what's um, going on in the world. You know, I read between four to eight books a month. I listen to multiple podcasts. I have a pretty extensive network. And, you know, even where I'm at today, and I'm, I'm, st- you know, I'm still an entrepreneur. I have another business besides where I'm at, at Twit. But mm-hmm. the reality is, is um, you always have to be learning and be paying attention and never think you know everything.
0: <laughs> oh, that's, that's, that's probably the, my isn't best Isn't that advice. like the death knell of... The entrepreneur, right? They think they know everything or they're, they're just not, you know, I think the better ones know their shortcomings, and maybe even more so. There's probably more they can do, but they're like, no, I don't want to do that. I want to get an expert to do that. And those are the, the successful ones. I think one of the biggest problems that business owners have, I don't know if it's been your experience, is that they, they either don't want to learn the financial side of it, don't think they have the skills to do it, and then they just kind of hide from it. You know as opposed to hiring somebody to really understand their numbers because that's really where the rubber meets the road
1: i i I did learn i mean you know that is my background so i would consider myself an expert in accounting first uh Mm -hmm. and and then probably not an expert in everything else but very resourceful and i agree with that part of my success when i first broke away and walked into businesses is founders don't know where their money's at, and 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 it's it's actually appalling to me to see that. I saw yeah. so much fraud, um, you know, payroll specialists paying themselves through payroll. Some of what I did was forensic accounting, simply from the standpoint that founders weren't paying attention to their books and they didn't know where their money was people. going and so there yeah. was some fraud in some of the places i stepped into and i think there's a there the, it's showing now there was a lack of respect for accountants in the united states for a very long time you okay. know they're treated as the redheaded stepchild like a necessary part of their business instead of actually the part of your business that should be you know straight in line honestly with sales uh, yeah. sales and accounting should be treated on the same level frankly everybody in a business is important but accounting really is something that people kind of go eh, and they really shouldn't that's really no. how you're going to know if you're successful or not in business is right. how 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 is everything working and can you afford everything and are you yeah. billing out your services or product at the correct level and um so that's really served me that being a foundation of where i came from it really helps in everything i'm going into and what i'm looking at
0: yeah i think that you know, you don't have to be an accounting expert like you, right? We can hire you to work for our business, but you have to know what you're looking at. And that's where all this fraud comes on, right? You don't know what a PL and l looks like or a balance sheet or what the items on those statements look like and what you should, the questions that should or shouldn't make sense to you. You know, and I think a lot of people, they, they can learn the basics without becoming an expert. But I think that, you know, if you look at a business, that's like one of the four core areas of the business is the finances, right? But you could do everything else right. And if you, your money's a mess and you don't know where you're going, you might be losing money in everything that you're doing and you have no, no clue. And I just constantly, like you said, find it as a, a, a missing link or a hole in the business that people are, I mean, they're probably being on a daily basis told, know your numbers, know your numbers, know, and they still don't do it. And it leads to failure. It's a learning experience, as you called them. And I think that that's true. Um, better than looking at it as a failure, but they are failures because they didn't take the time to mitigate those potentialities or something I don't know. you should
1: know enough to be dangerous i agree and if yeah. you don't pull in your CPA make sure you have some basic checks and balances the person who's paying your bills touching your cash deposits coming in should not be looking at your bank statements i think the number one yeah. thing i told most business owners when they really when i would walk in and see that they only had one person they really didn't know what they were doing i said at a minimum you should at least review your bank statements every month look at the checks that cleared yeah, not just like look at a bank statement without signed checks if you have them. And if you use services like bill.com or, or, you know, other other bill paying option services, which almost everyone has switched to because of the pandemic. Right. It's really easy to log in there and just see all the checks that have gone out and all the payments coming in. But you should at least understand the basics to make sure that you're making money. You don't want to be spending more <laughs> than what you're right. selling your product for or you're losing money. So I agree People with you. It I think all it's a mistake all entrepreneurs make. And to me, like here at Twit, um, the founder of the company, he's a creative, he's talent, he's the lead host of the network. We actually met because I was a consultant coming in going, what are you doing? (laughs) Um, And so that's how we originally met. And I had to help, you know, set up and align things here. So I I agree with you. And it's very astute that you you see that because it's the one thing I tell any entrepreneur, if they're like, oh, accounting, and they run from it, you have to know your P&L, your balance sheet. You also have to know your numbers of what makes sense. Because how are you going to help somebody else with what you have if you don't know what you're doing? That's always yeah, bad.
0: and and if you have employees, they're relying on you. If you have, you know, it's just not. It's not even responsible. But it's it's just. And I do. I've interviewed hundreds of people, and it's a consistent, unfortunate theme in yeah. terms. And I think, look, you you seem to be a creative person, and you're a financial person. That's very rare in yes. in the world, let alone the business world. Right. Most people are the entrepreneurs are right brain, and they're very excited, and they want to do all the creative stuff. And they don't want anything to do with, with the the numbers. And then that's when people take advantage of you. And cash flow, we learned from the pandemic, right? I was used, I've i said this before, hides a lot of things. Like if your cash is coming in and going out, you can be real sloppy about stuff and think you're making money until, like like you said, there's a global supply chain issue and you can't get the product and then there's no more money coming in and the smoke clears and you're looking at a, a pile of bones and saying, well, what? Why didn't anybody tell me this was going on, right?
1: Yeah, I I had to learn when I pivoted out of accounting and started to really help businesses. Everyone's like, well, where did you come from? Like, you know how sales works, you know how to create new products, you know know how to move beyond. Right. But you know the accounting cold. So so yes, I have to remind people here, I have to remind my continuity here, my continuity team is always saying, well, how come other salespeople, they don't get what you're doing? And I'm like, please be nice to my other sales team, they're not accountants.
0: (laughs) No, not at all. And you were interested in it and you took you a long time to become the expert that you are most people. It's just like the accounting course they didn't want to take in high school and college, right? So it, it's I not, glommed yeah. onto
1: it. I was the opposite. I I really enjoyed it, and when I took it at, in college, like I was in the top of my class, and everyone's like, like "Where did you numbers just make sense to you?" Yeah. But numbers and science have always been my backbone. I mean, uh, I was in gate when I was in elementary school. I was doing finance math when I was ten. So I'm not surprised wow. I went into the background of yeah. finance and accounting. So that really worked for me. I almost became a CPA and I just realized I don't like tax that much. I, you know, the tax laws changed. I have to get, you know, I meet with my accountant every year and I'm like, oh my gosh, what are they doing to us this year? But yeah. I know enough to be dangerous. And, um, and it really helps me in creating pro- products and services for, for businesses. So yeah. it's, um, it served me very well. And, and what's interesting, although I gave up my entrepreneurial business, I gave up that part of my business of consulting, the consulting business. 10 years ago I still have my clients calling me my former clients. Hey, can I run up can I bounce an idea off of you? Can I run <laughs> something course. past you? And they're right. so cute. They're always trying to pay me and I'm like, "No, no, no, pay it for it. Help somebody out sometime." But I, I I I'm still a serial entrepreneur and I I'm always interested in that aspect of consulting. So mm-hmm. I help I still help former clients out for free from time to time and I probably always will. So, it's just yeah, fun the- to see what's going on in that Particular industry now that I've been in media for fourteen years. So
0: okay, so let's talk about that. So what happened where you kind of stopped doing the the CFO, COO consulting and kind of got into? You get a job in a soap opera. I mean, what happened with?
1: uh, (laughs) Well, what happened was
0: a transition.
1: I started my entrepreneurial business. Okay. with two expectations. One, I was either going to grow it to a point where I had like 100 people working for me, right? or I would run into the next business and fall in love with it. And I ended up falling in love with new media. I mean, I found twit.tv from one of my CPAs I worked with. Okay. And when I walked in, I actually showed up. You get a one-hour consultation with me, and that's something I should tell all entrepreneurs. Set your, you know, have a one sheet of what your services are and what you're willing yeah. to do for free. I give right. everybody a one hour consultation, that's all. So yep. I showed up for our one hour consultation, and the founder, my business partner, blew me off
0: but who's, <laughs> for who's lack giving, of a better word. Who's giving who the cons- consult? Are you the consultant? Giving him I the was time, consulting or you... to him. Okay, I had okay. come
1: into their, to, to their business. They had like okay. four or five people referred to them or
0: something through another, I was
1: referred to them and in okay. his producer scheduled the appointment. And I felt really bad because his producer was sweating. I'm like, you know, and I'm type a, I'm like, okay, our appointment was at yeah. one. It's one. Uh, look, I What's only do a half on? an hour.
0: So you're very generous.
1: <laughs> so an hour is my time limit. So, but yeah. it was about a half an hour in, he finally said to me, I don't think it's gonna be today. And I said, okay, well, just so you know, my next appointment, the next time I come in, it's a four hour minimum and you're billed. And he said, Not a problem. So I came back and I billed them for those four hours because I waited a half an hour and yet again the owner can't, rec- was, can't recoup that time. He wasn't gonna he wasn't gonna be available. And I said, No problem. I will bill you the four hours then and we scheduled again. Wait, so you mean thir- you mean
0: you went for the four hour session? He now yes. isn't available again. He's paying your bill, which is very yes. respectful, right? And then you oh reschedule. he has to
1: if he wants me to come back.
0: <laughs> of course you're not coming back but he could say "Oh, i'm not paying and then what are you going to do right so okay. oh
1: i wouldn't come back then because i right, was pretty busy yeah right. so uh, but i was kind of intrigued because i'm like okay yeah, who pays like, somebody
0: who yeah
1: and then and and so then i showed up again but here's the thing i've learned in doing what i was doing it wasn't like this was my first year doing what i was doing i had been in my business now for five years and some people are terrified of accounting. So I figured, well, you know, I'm still Um, kind of intrigued. Yeah. The name of the company was Twit. So I'm like, what's Twit? And I found (laughs) out this week in tech. So being business, not a geek, I didn't really get it. And so when I came back the third time, I realized he was just, you know, he's an artist. He's and he was like, oh my gosh, I'm terror. I don't know what to do about numbers. My CPA told me I'm going to jail if we don't figure this out. So it was really, I found him very charming, and I really liked him. And so we sat down, and I got things going, and then I took everything from them and dumped it on my poor bookkeeper. Who's like, what is all this? It was like a year and a half of data. Nothing was,
0: so that was he organized. Nothing so was consolidated. Very, it was early on. It was like a year and a half into their. Business? He was
1: okay. actually been doing business for a couple of years, but he finally started to make money. So he didn't right. know what to do and he, he had to put everything together. So we caught them up, got him like a year and a half up. And I just was really intrigued. What is, oh, a podcast and started learning more about it yeah. and started consulting more and more. And then finally the founder said, Hey, I want to take this to the next level. And I said, you know, I'm really interested in this business. I and go, this was like goes, what,
0: like 14 years ago, you said? Yes, this
1: was yeah, 14 years ago. Yeah, so the only way to listen to
0: podcasts was either on an iPod or those crazy yes. little extra devices you would buy that were like third party. You didn't get it yes. on your phone. Yeah. yeah. So it was yeah. hard to reach people even, right? So
1: so that is why our network is based around technology. So frankly, the people really interested in podcasts, they were our audience. They knew how right. to get our shows downloaded. They knew what an iPod the early was. They so knew how knew the They business. knew what an RSS yeah. feed was. They understood yeah. how that all worked. Um, so here I came in and I'm just like, you know, this is interesting. And so he wanted to grow. And after working there for about a year, I said he wanted me to fi- hire somebody to be a business manager. And I said, you know, you don't need to hire somebody. I'll do it. I'll do it for 20 hours a week. Okay. Uh, so I straddled both my business and this company for two and a half years before I bit the bullet and came on full time because Because I was just like,
0: this just, this is ridiculous. Or you really loved it? Or
1: I loved it. And I, and I was then partnered with somebody who was really creative that really Mm -hmm. was just going to let me go. And that's, that's another reason why I left the corporate world. When we got to two to 300 people, they wanted to shut me in a box to do one thing. And I'm like, that's what happened. Yeah.
0: If you're an entrepreneur, it doesn't And you're informing, me. You know, you got free ideas. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. So I joined and we started to grow and we added video. We were probably one of the first podcast networks to add video. Was there? There wasn't YouTube. Yeah, it wasn't.
0: (laughs) Right. Of course. So where where did the so I got I got to tell you something. I was early in the podcasting days. Right. But I wasn't an iPhone or an Apple person. No, no, no. I, I have to admit this. I couldn't figure out how to I would get this device and it wasn't an iPod and i couldn't figure out like how to get the content i so so i didn't really get into podcasts until it became more readily available and by the way i just explained this to my wife the other day pod is not a ipod's not a word that apple invented it's an acronym for play on demand for right. on demand content and a lot of people don't i don't think a lot of people realize that but that was my struggle because i wasn't a techno i'm into technology i like that stuff but I just couldn't figure it out for the life of me how these little devices work and it was just too complicated. So I came back to it later Well, the good news for me, on. I didn't yeah.
1: have to. I, I, yeah. I was attached the people, to right? the geeks. <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> so. they were like, here, this is how you do it. Yeah, I wish I yeah. wish I had a friend who knew that stuff. So yeah, but so yeah. now, so here you are in the early, wor- early world where yeah. just really the people that knew the business could download, right? Where did the videos go?
1: Well, we start, like we were lucky even enough. Bandwidth,
0: videos, I don't know. <laughs>
1: Well, we were lucky enough to um, have a partner called CashFly that said, Hey, you want to do videos we have the bandwidth for you to do videos so we partnered with them and they're today they're still a huge partner in our network and we started working with a company called mediafly that was taking our visual elements and helping us publish anywhere and everywhere we could for the video content so they were doing all of our video feed publishing and then we ended up taking that over so we we published they
0: would take the video break it up into different segments and clips and put it all over the place, okay.
1: Oh no, they wouldn't break it up into different segments and clips. We would send them the one file. What they would do is distribute to all the video partner platforms you can put them out to, to help us publish everywhere. And now we have taken that over. We have our own publishing tools in-house and we literally publish. It's hard to remember to go back to those days. We literally publish everywhere and anywhere that you can. So currently we have 13 shows. We put them out in audio and video formats. The exception is the, the most recent show, our 13th show this week in space is audio only we audio quickly only learned thing. that when you do video and audio video is expensive as you know yeah. i'm sitting on a set as soon as you add video you have cameras you have technical directors yeah, you have all these other things and look if it
0: wasn't for zoom i didn't have video before right zoom because i don't have that right. i don't have like a, a studio
1: well, we started off with Skype and we had an engineer that built um, the skype and where we had a four monitor box. Cool. And Twit originally started with, with Leo Laporte, the founder of this network, and also you know the lead host of one of the shows. He would do all his own switching. So when we added video, he'd pull up his lower thirds, he'd do his ad reads, he'd bring everybody in over Skype, he'd do all his own switching. And right. he still does that in his own studio. This is our main studio, so I actually have somebody manning the board here. Um, I think
0: you told me this no coincidence that he has the same last name as you, right?
1: Well, well, that actually (laughs) happened later.
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, we'll, let's not jump ahead.
1: Yeah, we don't have to, you know, the old cliche, the um, you start working with somebody, <laughs> um, you partner with somebody, you buy a house with them, and then you marry them. There you go. <laughs> so we can marry so, them yeah. first and
0: then buy the house and do it in either order. It doesn't matter.
1: No, we did it in all the reverse order. So we've, all, we've been together now um, for 13 years. We've been married for seven and we've okay. been partners for 14. And yeah, so okay. he's talent and, and I'm, I'm, I'm talent in my own way, <laughs> but I run the business.
0: Well, back yeah. in 14 years ago, I mean, the, we didn't have streaming services, I don't think, right? It would take you yeah. so long to download a video yeah. to even watch I don't know how you engage an audience when it's, you know, you really have to be committed to watch the video in those days. Nowadays, just press yeah. a button. And it, if it spins around for more than two or three seconds, you're like, this must be broken. Something's wrong with it.
1: But, you know, we're a little more fun. We actually record everything live to tape. So I okay. almost put this on the live stream. And <laughs> I thought maybe I will. Let's do it. Huh? I don't, yeah. I,
0: I told you I didn't shave though. So that's not good.
1: (laughs) So next time, if we do a follow-up or whatever, you know, uh, we'll we'll put it on the live stream, but yeah. So, so we actually have a chat room that's going in our live stream and, um, and we've since added a club. Um, So, you know, we've had a few hurdles here at twit Well, one was adding video, trying to grow our network. We, 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 actually leased a giant space. We had a 10,000 square foot space. Like a big warehouse a type of space? Or? Yeah, we, so this is our third location that we're in. So we okay. had a little tiny cottage that we started out in and we decided to blow up the business and that's when I came on board. And so we hired all these people and we were building out a space. And at one point we had like 10 people around a kitchen table in a very small office that had like 14 people in a space, I would say a quarter of the size of this main studio. And it was not pretty. I mean, people were starting to... be. It was like being at the dinner table. You could never leave. So then we moved to a giant location, way too big. We went a little too big than we should have. Um, <laughs> but we loved it. We called it the Brick House. It was fun. And then we realized way too big of a space. Rent was going up to a dramatic uh, amount that we couldn't afford. And And we were like, we don't want to be so studio heavy that we can't get our shows done. Yeah. So, but also at the time... Um, that was also at a time when we only had our sales with one outside broker and okay. that was a mistake. Um, so another thing I want to tell entrepreneurs, sales advertising,
0: it, you mean that type of sales?
1: Correct. Cause we were an ad supported network and we only had one sales funnel. We had one agency doing all of our work. So, okay. um, that was a mistake. I broke exclusivity with that sales agency, turned on doing sales inside of, um, Twit. And that was through mm-hmm. me and I'm not a salesperson. So I'm like, okay, here we go, I'm going to break our, you know, exclusivity and open up sales to be doing them in-house and also add more brokers and agencies to work with. So the one lesson I learned with doing that, and I'm telling everyone, if people come to me for entrepreneurial advice, I say, do not only have one sales funnel, have as many sales channels as you can. Um, Don't have an exclusive contract with one person. I mean, Spotify is buying a bunch of people and you have to be exclusive to Spotify. That's different. But if you're just coming out and you're doing sales, um, I highly recommend that you have As many funnels as you can get so that definitely helped twit once we opened up sales out to different agencies different brokers we've built our huge uh, our own book of business that really took us to the next level but we we still discovered our space was a little too expensive so we downsized and we're now in the right size space and um it's not breaking the bank anymore which is good because you know we just survived a pandemic
0: well what so so what does a, a small network that's internet only right about 13 shows, you said. What kind of gross revenue does a does a business like that generate? I mean, I have no idea.
1: Yeah. Well, before the pandemic, we had about 20 shows, and okay. um, we were on a growth trajectory. <laughs> and then the pandemic hit, and and we're not. Um, we don't have equity. We don't have private equity, so. We only we you know we're in the black, so whatever we make is is what we spend. So we downsized a little in the pandemic, but I would say pre because you know, revenue before
0: the- because advertisers disappeared, right?
1: Yeah, that was kind of part of it. So we were on this growth to go up. We had about 20 shows and we had just launched about six shows in 2019. Okay. And then in 2020, when the pandemic hit, I literally lost 60% of my advertisers in two weeks. Yeah,
0: there you go. And
1: um, it was brutal. So we, we did a couple scale back on some shows. Um, we, we modified a few things. So before the pandemic hit, we were about a little over 10 million in, in sales. Okay. And when the pandemic hit, we dropped down. Um, Lucky for us, we actually had a Naming Rights sponsor in 2020. Without it, I, I, I'm, I'm not sure if we, we might've made a few more adjustments, but that definitely helped us. Mm-hmm. And so we're we're, we're we're bouncing back. 2022, we're, we're finally coming back. We're at 13 shows again. I would anticipate gross revenues this year to be about eight to 9 million. Um, oh, okay. We're, we're still doing well. Getting back We're there. Well, and we're different than most podcast networks. We're premium. We're not like Spotify, iHeart, and Amazon. You're welcome to go to those places. They all do dynamic ad insertion. You go to NPR, that's what they do as well. Mm-hmm. We're unique in that we're boutique and we're premium. We only do host red ads in the content of our shows. Okay. You will always receive two ads in every single show episode we drop. That's also unusual. We do okay. not dynamically insert our ads. They are fresh, they're organic and they're host red they're every red time. On-
0: the red live, basically. The
1: red live. And if there's a okay. mistake, we can fix them and post before we publish, because okay. like we said, we do everything live to tape. Right. And the difference between us and other networks is our 1,000%, everything is focused on our audience. Mm-hmm. If we don't feel a product or a service will benefit our audience, we will not sign the advertiser. In addition to that, it has to be a high integrity, high quality. We won't sign somebody that is a C-rated Advertiser, even if their, their product and service is okay. We're like, have no
0: money, right? That's full not good pass. Enough. I don't care how much right. money you, you have if right. you come to us. Right. You
1: have to have something that will benefit my audience first. Then you have to be of high integrity, high quality. We have a massive vetting process. We pull a one sheet, we talk to our editorial team. We don't sign anyone until we have full buy in from our team that we feel this is actually something our audience can benefit from.
0: Here's a word from our sponsors. Looking to get into podcasting, maybe to market your business for your own enjoyment or because you have a message you want to get out there. One of One Productions is a New Jersey based studio just over the George Washington Bridge that caters to the booming business of podcasting. They offer a comfortable atmosphere using the latest technology available to record your podcast. And they're a full service media company offering both audio and video production services, creating both audio and video podcasts, as well as video shorts for business and personal use. Professional audio equipment packages are available through their website for all budgets. And be sure to check out their podcast guesting kit created specially for our listeners. Care for your health, care for the planet and look flipping great doing it. North Authentic is a conscious hair care marketplace offering the cleanest brands from around the world. Their pro stylists curate only the most fabulous non-toxic hair products with better for you shampoos, serums, masks, and more that actually give you gorgeous hair without hurting your health or the planet. Hey, you've only got one life, one planet, and one glorious mane. Might as well treat them all as best you can, right? Try a 100% clean hair care routine prescribed just for you using their link in the show notes. If you don't see a big beautiful difference in how your hair looks and feels, you can tell them they're crazy. Do you battle chronic pain, stress, anxiety, or depression? Well, if you take any supplements or you're interested in natural alternatives, you need to know about findyourhealthyplace.com. Find Your Healthy Place has thousands of supplements to help you live a better quality of life as well as natural solutions for chronic pain, stress, anxiety, depression, sleeplessness, and much, much more. Need guidance? Use their live chat feature and talk to a wellness consultant right on their website. And be sure to use our coupon code TAEPODCAST for all your purchases to get the best prices at findyourhealthyplace.com. Follow their links in the show notes to learn more about all of our sponsors. And now back to our show.
1: And then we work out the deal with either the direct client or we or an agency because then the frequency has to be there. We also require that they're doing business elsewhere. Like are you, you know, it takes eight to ten touch banks for something to work. So we wanna make sure they're doing Google ads, they they're doing radio ads. So our vetting process and our onboarding process with a potential advertiser is I haven't seen anyone equal what we do. And I feel because of what we do, we have a higher engagement and a return rate. I have partners who have been on our network since we started doing ads back in 2008. I have partners that are with us for eight and nine years. And they're not with us for eight or nine years because we don't work.
0: No, because they're getting results. Right, of course.
1: Well, they're getting results and they also are adding to what they're doing. So we reach the C-levels we reach mm-hmm. the decision makers and companies. We reach the IT people. We reach the people that, that are making things happen. So um, so we're really lucky in that we're, we have a premium product because if you take a look around us, if Spotify or iHeart doesn't own you, it's rare to find an independent network anymore, which is why we're staying unique and premium Versus right. everybody else just dynamically inserting producer red ad reads. Um, we feel that we're more effective because of it. And it allows us to do the content we want to do.
0: No plans and, to sell out to a bigger network like Spotify? They're writing checks you know, to everybody. You
1: um, people have asked... I. I I, I, I don't say no. Here's the no, reality. No, everybody I, has
0: a price, but it may be. A very, I have very to look at price. every
1: opportunity, and you know, yeah. everyone has a price too. But it also has to be the right opportunity. If they're going to change what we're doing, I wouldn't recommend it. It wouldn't work. You would buy us, and you would be tanking it. Um, Which so my, I don't know. Yeah, my goal is, if if we did partner with someone, it would have to be worthwhile. Right. But it's really not our first task. Everyone I've seen that was bought by Spotify and Amazon, they pivoted so much away from what they've done. I mean, I guess if it works for them, that's great. But for mm. us, we want to really super serve our audience. So unless we can find a partner that would allow us to do what we're doing, I don't know if we could do that because yeah. when the pandemic hit, we also having lost all of our advertisers, it made me realize we're one dimensional. So right. I said, we need to change what we're doing. So we've added a club, So if you want to get all of our content ad-free for $7 a month, you can join our club. And we also have AMAs, yeah, Yeah. we have one-offs, we have things only for the club. We're gonna test all new shows in the club, and that's not something we're gonna put out to the public until the show's ready to go to the public. So the nice thing about the club is we took nothing away from our ad-supported business. Everything that is, if you wanna download us for free, please do. If you wanna join the club, Please, please join it. And we also have a fun yeah. Discord channel for So is the
0: club, is club a uh, separate app? Is that?
1: Yes. Well, it's, it's 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 not really a separate app. It's with Memberful. So we have a Discord channel attached to it. Uh-huh. And you basically can download all of our shows on iTunes or Pocket Cast or your favorite yeah. podcatcher ad-free. So we also have that. We have um, two versions of our shows being published. One's ad-free and one is the ad-supported. So one goes out to the public and one goes out to the club
0: members. OK, so I, I we're jumping around a little bit, but from a business standpoint, because you're a business person and I like to talk about this stuff because I yeah. think it helps people. I, I obviously get a lot of questions about podcasting, right? I get asked to talk like about I'm like, I'm not an expert. They're like, Well, you're doing it. So come talk. And I started the podcast really for my practice as a business attorney to produce content. You know, like I don't like to write. I mean, I do write, but I do a lot of writing for customers. I don't want to. So I do some blogging, whatever. But I like talking and I like interviewing yeah. people. And I find them interesting. So when I started out, I had no budget, obviously, and I still have a limited budget. I do most of it myself. You could tell by, you know, the quality of my, of my There's studio. There's nothing wrong person.
1: with that. That's how everybody curious. starts.
0: Yeah. But I, I'm I'm curious as to like what from a from a cost standpoint, like what are the costs that go into making a show, you know, that that the advertising is offsetting? Besides like general rent for your studio, obviously, but.
1: Well, right, our people. So we have a full time continuity department that will check all of our ads that are done. They help with the ad copy. They help with the creation beyond the sales. We have a sales team so they can go out and actually get the advertising sales. We have engineers, we have technical directors, editors, producers, and we have hosts. So it really takes so it depends. So I try to tell people if you want to pre production,
0: post production, during production, the whole thing, right?
1: Right. So I tell people, if you want to do a podcast, I first tell them if it's not going to be like what you're doing, where you're setting up a, a camera and a mic and you're willing to do this and do and pu- publish the video yourself, that's right. great. Otherwise, I tell everyone, start audio only. Get a professional mic. Get your yeah. headphones. Right. Do do an audio podcast and do it because you love it. That's right. always, and, 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 yeah. or maybe it helps your business. It puts your name you out gotta, there. You have
0: I, to love it also, because right. it's hard. You, it, you, you're not going to keep consistent with what you're doing if you don't love it.
1: You have to love it and be an expert in what you're doing or, you know, have something to say, um, either be an expert or have fun with it and, right. you know, or, or use it for a tool to sell yourself. Like I know a lot of salespeople who use this, you probably, you might get referrals from, from, from it I too. Do. I'm not, yeah. Okay, so see, that's part of the reason. So I would always just tell people, if you want to do a podcast, do it yourself. You know, you'll need a few hundred dollars to get a nice mic, great headphones. You know, you can set up a website for free. You can publish for free on YouTube. There's plenty of places you can go to publish your podcast. Um, You can use Anchor.fm, which is a free tool for people that want to do their own podcast. So, yeah, so actually doing a podcast now is a lot, it's very easy it's at an entry level cost. It's in, what we're doing is at a premium cost. This requires lots of people, a staff, you know, paying hosts. We have independent journalists that also come on our network. So we have a lot of outside contractors we work with that we also pay a stipend on the show for as well. So um, yeah, to to build a network like this, you wanna be doing six to $10 million a year in revenue.
0: Right, because you need (laughs) to support all that stuff.
1: Yeah, and and I I would really tell people if you want to monetize your podcasts, you want to be at forty to fifty thousand downloads an episode to try yeah, to find someone hard to monetize to, it. It yeah. it's because it, you know the, the reality is you're going to pay, pay a lot of people pay like fifteen to twenty dollars CPMS for a podcast, and that means fifteen to twenty dollars for every thousand listens. Okay. So you want to make sure you have a pretty, you know, a pretty. A good size audience. If you want to make this something for revenue, a lot of people ask me all the time: i have 5,000 listeners or 200 listeners. What do I do to make money?" I would say, um, "Don't quit your day job."
0: <laughs> yeah, you can't. I mean, I've you had 15,000 downloads total, 20,000 yeah. downloads total, not per month.
1: Right. You know? Right. Right. It's a, it, so, I, don't,
0: I don't do it for that reason. Really. That's why you got to love it. You don't do it because you think you're going to make money. You're probably not. You know, and I a have a
1: lot of people that have reached out to me after doing this for two or three years going, it's a grind. Yeah. This is hard. I've been three years. And I'm years. like, yeah, it, it is challenging because a lot of people have asked me to be on podcasts regularly, like weekly. And I'm like, like a
0: "Regular guest? I'm running They're a like, business. No way. <laughs>
1: yeah. Right, I know. So I'm like, I, I don't really have time to be on all the time, but I'm I do a po- I'm trying to do about a podcast a week just to get our name and our company out there because... Yeah. Um, I do love what I do. And if I can help anybody have, having been a serial entrepreneur my whole career, I, I give advice for free. And everyone's like, oh, you should charge for it. And I'm like, why? You know, if someone's trying to advance themselves and they want, they're interested in what you do, help them out. And, right. um, you know, that's what I anyway. tell people. Yeah. It does. But, but, like I, but like you said, what does it take to do a podcast now? Not a lot. What does it take to do a podcast as your business? That a takes lot. more. Yeah, Correct. You know, it's
0: funny. I'll, I'll add all admissions since I'm admitting everything. So three years ago when I started this thing or even three and a half years ago, I was like, well, we can't do a I I had partners. That was, oh, we can't do a podcast. You need like an engineer in a studio and lighting and post-production people. And then I think I saw one of Pat Flynn's videos or something like that where he said, "Yeah, you can start a podcast for 75 bucks. That was crappy Agreed. equipment. It didn't sound great. I learned how to clean it up. But, you know, between all the programs you get for free and the web and, you know, I probably have three or four hundred dollars worth of equipment, which is fine. I sound better than most of my friends. It's enough to produce the podcast and have it come out clean enough that I don't have to like run it through an editor or something like that. But, right. yeah, I, I was just ignorant to it. I'm like, how can you do that for very little money? And it turns out you can and, and enjoy doing it. But, yeah, it's definitely a long haul it Took me a long time to have enough episodes where I started to get followers And then we edited the video during the pandemic. When I started using Zoom, I'm like, I should do this all the time. So even if I have somebody in the other room I'm interviewing, I make them go on the computer. And, you know, so we because we don't have cameras to, uh, to, you know, to pick up the video. And it
1: works. The thing is, it will take time. So my other best advice if you're wanting to do podcasting is be consistent. Always post on the same day. Yeah. every week. I highly recommend. I mean, daily podcasts are popping up again. It's, it's interesting because we started a daily tech show like 12 years ago and people weren't ready for dailies. And now everyone's like, why don't we have that daily tech show anymore? And I'm like, I right. know daily stuff is actually really popular again, but if you want to start out and you have a day job and, and podcasting is not your full-time job, but it's something you want to cultivate. Mm-hmm. I recommend weekly always be consistent. If you're going to publish on Monday, publish on Monday. I mean, I listen to a lot of podcasts myself and my favorite podcasters have been doing it for 10, 12, 13 years. They publish on the same day. They may not record on the same day. They may record ahead of time and have them ready to go, but they always publish on the same day. And that's what we do here at TWIT. Almost all of our shows are weekly shows. We drop on the same days. We record at the same times. Occasionally we move stuff around if um, there's a breaking news, you you know, Apple, mm-hmm. it, you know, had an announcement recently. So we'll shift some stuff around, but we, we let our audience know ahead of time. So that's yeah. always key. If you really want to make this something, publish, be consistent, you know, and bring, have something good to say, bring something great to the table. People don't want to know if you're in a bad mood. <laughs> that's a, it's that's the true. Other thing. You got
0: to get on. You got to be on yeah. for if you're in a bad mood. I, I publish every Fridays at nine o'clock. I was doing Tuesdays and Fridays during the pandemic, but then I started running out of content. So I just do every Friday. And I do. I, I pretty much record on Fridays like we're doing here because yeah. it was getting to the point where I was losing control of like the rest of my life, putting people yes. on my calendar all over the place. And, it, and you know, you got to be up for it. And then I'm like, oh, I'm not in a mood today. And then, and it was just too much. So I, Fridays are podcasting day. It's a little bit of networking, a little bit of marketing. It gets released on Friday. I don't do the editing then, but. And, it's, and I like you're right. what you're doing, you send important. out
1: a newsletter. You send out a newsletter because I'm getting your newsletter and I love oh, that good. because then I see a little bit about who you talk to. And so that's another thing I would recommend if somebody has a newsletter, opt in, great. Yeah, build Just, an you know, email list. do a blast list. out. Sure. That's perfect. You know, but you're right, consistency is key and there's so much content out there. So, you know, um, and, and another thing to do is if you do interview someone is ask them to share it. Make sure that yeah. you're sharing it with them and you're tagging them on every so Social platform. So I, I highly recommend that to everybody as well. You
0: know, you probably got, no, you didn't get it yet. I should send you my, I have like a one page, you know, promo sheet. You probably could tear it apart and say, this isn't good. You need to do this (laughs) and this and tell them to do this. And, So I'll, I'll send it to you. You can take a look Oh yeah, send
1: it, it, send it our way. I have a really great marketing team that, you know, helps us publish everything here. They keep me, they keep me sane. (laughs) And, and, and I always tell people like, if you have a business, don't think sales and marketing are the same thing. They're two different things, but they should always be talking to each other.
0: (laughs) Very good advice. People don't know the difference. They don't.
1: Well, and they they really should talk to each other cuz you know, I understand it's like sales and accounting there tends to be this like, oh, we don't want to talk to each other. I'm finding that with marketing, but I find that when because I still oversee our entire sales team here yes I'm still our I, I wear many hats and um, I still pitch I still help in our sales process and the more I realize as I'm talking to the marketing teams that are talking to us I'm like what does your sales guy say that you guys should be promoting yeah well, we don't know and I'm like why are you guys not talking to each other sales and marketing need to be aligned they're not doing the same thing but aligned
0: is is the right I was kind of looking place. at it like marketing kind of it makes them aware and pulls them in and should pull them into, if they're the right prospect, right? Into the sales process, right? That's almost you, like a funnel type of you thing. You would
1: think, but the yeah. longer I've been in sales now at Twit, um, since I have 10 years of sales under my belt here, the more I realize marketing doesn't talk to their sales team. And it it's like, why sense. not? Yeah. It makes no sense because the no reality sense. is if you're going to have a call to action business on our network, it should be aligned with what your sales team once. Because they um, don't
0: even know what to do.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. So yeah, I, um, so I ask a lot of questions when I meet with partners for the first time or new agencies. So it's really interesting to see that um, they don't talk to their sales team. (laughs) I just find that unusual,
0: you know. Yeah, because to you, it's logical.
1: Yeah. Why why would marketing
0: that's there to develop business and brand recognition, all that stuff, be connected to sales and work hand in hand because then you don't get the result you need. Without the sales business, is dead. So, I don't know.
1: why are you not a COO or a CEO? <laughs> I am of you my have, own worlds. <laughs> yes. Well, you can tell because people like you get it. And I just, yeah. you know, yeah, I, I think that um, that's that part where expertise comes in. You have to have the knowledge, you have to have the experience and then you have to, you, you have to, then you have an expertise Right. and just, and, and never stop learning. And, you know, like the 25 year old on my team may know more than me on something. And I just, um, I always listen to everybody on my team. That's the other advice I give everyone. Yeah. Don't ever think you know everything. And the 20 year old on your team might actually have the best idea at the table. So don't, right. you know, as you get be older, don't, humble, think little, right? yeah, yeah. don't think that the little, yeah, I don't think that the 20 year old that knows more, they'll know more about tech than you do.
0: <laughs> right.
1: So um, look, yeah. unless
0: you're like an insecure person, I, I find that to be the fun part of what we do, you know, always learning yeah. and always hearing things. I mean, I love when I listen to something or read something. I'm like, you know, I never realized that that's, what that is. And and look, it's funny you say you should be a CFO or a CEO. It's just because I interview and talk to a lot of people. Yeah. I talk to clients, I deal with their issues. I'm constantly talking to people on the podcast and there are consistent themes. There are consistent things that you can do as a small business owner, right? To right. increase, not guarantee, but increase your chances of being successful when things that are intuitive to you and I, but That you look at people and they're just like It's like like that
1: last 10%. You have like 90% of it. Right. And you could be more successful if you would close the loop on that last 10%. And some of that is just keeping your mind open, asking questions, be curious, read. You have to be a lifelong learner if you're gonna be an entrepreneur. You have to be paying attention to as to what's going on out there. Um between consuming books and podcasts, I'm always Listening to other people and, and 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 their stories and how they've succeeded. So, um, you know always be always be learning because if you're not learning, you're winning. <laughs> um, and you know it's i've I've also told people, having stepped into sales, I fail way more than I succeed. Of course. By by like, you know, 80 times more. And right. to some people, that's too frustrating. They're like, I can't handle failing that much. And I don't like to fail either, but I've gotten very comfortable at it because you're going to fail way more in sales. Look at professional than you'll sports.
0: You just, that's, yeah. you don't bat 80, 800. <laughs> you bat 300. It's unbelievable.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: So being yes. right 20% of the time is a pretty good. We're, we're pretty consistent, we're doing well. We're doing really yeah. well, actually.
1: Yeah, yeah. You gotta put yourself know, out I'm, there. I'm getting to the point where I'm closing about one out of every 10 deals, and everyone's like, how are you doing that? And I'm like, I know, there's, but every now and then I'll hit a dry spell. It'll be like 30 deals in a row, not Yeah, it's and not I'm consistently. And, you might, like, and then you
0: might do three in a row. It's not, yeah, yeah, yeah of course. So just, yeah.
1: you know, and, and patience. I think this pandemic has taught me, besides to become more resourceful when I thought I was pretty good, um, is acquire some new patients and just know that everybody's nerves are a little exposed. So just be a little kinder, a little gentler. Yeah, (laughs) no, I think
0: think if you, and I'm not saying like, you know, don't be ambitious. I'm ambitious, we're all ambitious, but I think you gotta like adjust your expectations a little bit, like it's okay if that doesn't work out or you don't close the deal or whatever, because first you'll learn something, right? Right. You'll maybe you'll build in a relationship and the next one's around the corner. So just like take a breath. Who does uh, Brene Brown calls it like your first effing time or something like that you're yeah. doing that you're so wound up and you're like, oh, my God, this has got to work or my whole life falls apart. Oh, my God. And then it doesn't work. And then you realize, oh, that wasn't so bad. Like, I didn't die. Yeah. Yeah, my life didn't come to an end. I'm moving on to the next project. And, oh, there is another project. And, you know, definitely perception.
1: I, I think the other thing, too, I want to remind entrepreneurs, just pretty much anybody in business in general, is be yeah. transparent, be honest, and yeah. always have your integrity intact. Um, I think this pandemic, there's been a lot of volatility. There's a lot going on in the world today, too. Unbelievable. <laughs> Look yeah. at Russia and everything no, going on. People see
0: right through you, though, nowadays. They really do, if you They not do.
1: And, yeah. and one thing I'm seeing, and I've been experiencing a little in this pandemic, is a lot of, I shouldn't say a lot. Uh, enough of lack of integrity with some of my partners that it just reminds me to be transparent, to be honest. It may hurt, but you gotta do the right thing. So just a reminder to anyone that's going out there, know what you're doing, know your product, know your service if you're gonna be an entrepreneur and be transparent, don't be lying to people. Just, and if, if something goes sideways and you have to break a contract or you gotta do something differently, just be open and honest about it, take the hit, do your best and move and move on with it. So, yeah, um, yeah, integrity is everything. to me, uh, that's the foundation. Without integrity, you can't have trust, you can't build rapport, you can't build anything. So right. start with that and just always have your integrity intact. and um, you will do well <laughs> even if even if you right. don't land every deal you work on, you'll at least know you can look yourself in the mirror that every day and and um, you're doing the right thing.
0: Yeah, well, I can tell you as a business as a business attorney who sometimes negotiates people out of bad deals that didn't go well, the ones that are on the same page and have always been open and honest with each other and transparent about everything and one person's failed maybe has nothing to do with your deal but their life changed or whatever it's always a lot easier to separate the two for everybody to move on not be mad at each other because there's not this all this pent up aggravation and and you know nastiness towards each other and you're able to just you know, move on. It's the ones where you say, well, you know, why don't you tell me that you had these problems and you were hiding this and we placed that order last week and you didn't tell good luck. And those erupt in, in litigation and nobody wins with those. And, I, and,
1: and exactly what you just said. I want to just reaffirm that it, <laughs> it just, but if you're having a problem and you can't uphold your end of a contract, don't set it aside and wait a month. Just, 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 you know what, it's going to, um, you're going to stress about it longer.
0: Yeah, right. And don't hide if you from just, it, right.
1: Just don't hide from it, just just yeah. own it. It was like yeah. when, it's like losing 60% of our business when the pandemic hit. You know, um, the first thing I did when the pandemic hit was I went, oh, this is going to impact a lot of my partners. So the first thing I did was reach out to, every single partner we had that we had a contract with, cause I don't call my clients clients they're our partners and yeah. said, Hey, listen, I know this pandemic just hit. We'd love for you to stay on our network. Cause we have cancellation clauses in all of our contracts. We'd mm-hmm. love for you to stay on our network. Here's an extra 30% in free ads just to help you out during this time. And, but if you need to get out of your contract instead, let me know. And that's how I treated literally every single partner from my $25,000 contract to my $2 million contract. Everybody was given a gift. Or the option to terminate early because right. of the pandemic hitting. Yeah, and you know I lost all feeling six, it, right? I lost 60% of our clients. And it, it and yeah, I was nervous. <laughs> um, but I just, you know, I'm I am sure it, some it, of them
0: didn't most of them didn't leave because you let them out of the contract. They left because they were fall they were falling they apart. Left in their because
1: world. They, they left because they were B to C and yeah. you know, um, like one of them was camera bags. For travel. Um, oh, okay. Well, the world just closed down. Right. Nobody's you know, traveling. Clothing. Mm-hmm. Who cares outside of like the shirt up? <laughs> right. <laughs> um, you know, nobody needed shoes right then. So, and then just some some businesses that were aimed at, you know, um, entrepreneurs that, you know, moved around and things like that. So, So, we did the right thing. You know, we helped yeah. everybody out in that. And some people have come back. By the way.
0: Okay. There you go. Appreciate it. Do the right thing of, of, of that.
1: But yeah, but that's when I learned to pivot. So that's the other thing I want to tell entrepreneurs. It whatever you're doing, whatever thing you're offering, make sure you have a couple of dimensions to it. <laughs> make because sure you it have won't more than it'll one change. Thing. Right.
0: Of course. Yeah. Life doesn't happen in a straight line. It just right. it doesn't. And you can't control everything. Listen to all the stuff that's gone on in the last two or three years. That if you yeah. and I, two or three years ago said this is what's going to happen. In the next two or three years, everybody would think we're nuts, crazy. Right,
1: right, right. You know, and I had so many people come to me, and they're like, "What are you doing? What? How? Did you figure this out yet?" And I remember looking at a few people going, "This is my first pandemic." Yeah, right. <laughs> I thought well, I've been through a lot of things before. Right. You know, I've been through the dot com crash, the housing market crash. Like, I thought I've lived through a few things.
0: Not like okay. this. <laughs> yeah, you'd have to be, let's think about it. You'd have to be like 140 years old yeah. to have any memory of the last pandemic.
1: Yeah, yeah. This was so, what, 1918,
0: um, something like that? Yeah.
1: Yeah, so it was, um, yeah. So uh, when I thought I was like the CEO that's seen everything because I've worked in so many different industries. Yeah, I'm gonna say now Boom. that I don't think I've seen everything yet.
0: <laughs> no, no, because life will smack you in the face just the moment when you say that.
1: Yeah. And that's the yeah.
0: Now, Now, you have, if I remember from your bio, you have another business. Don't you have an, an agency? I forget I the do. name. I do. Yeah. I
1: do. So I have Artisanal Agency. Okay. It's my own sales agency that I established in 2015. So it, it oversaw all the sales here at Twit because that's, okay. I started doing that in, in Twit. And I did tell. I did tell my business partner now, my husband, I said, you get me for five years and then I have to have my own thing because I, I have to have my own thing. I'm just a serial okay. entrepreneur now. Okay. So that business, I started um, representing a bunch of other podcast networks and individual clients to go out from and buy. From a sales
0: standpoint, like you're, you're a hired gun yes. to build their sales funnels and stuff like that? Yes. Okay.
1: Yes. So I started okay. I started working with some of the partners that were buying ads on Twit as well as you know I, I created the sales process here at Twit. And um, we went from when I started sales in Twit. I wanted to pull it out, but we had to wait a year or two. So I waited a year or two and pulled it out, but we were doing about 2 million a year. And we went from doing 2 million a year, doing doing 6 million a year within two years of me taking over the sales process at Twit. And then I grew that to 10 million in four years. And so from that, everyone called me and like, what the heck are you doing? And I said, I I feel like I've mastered this recipe of applying integrity and bringing in brands because what people stopped doing is they wanted to just go out and get money and get partners. And they'd be like, give me a hundred thousand and I'll put you all over my network. But I'm like, where's the benefit? So people were not asking the right questions. People were feeling ripped off going and placing buys on other podcast networks and they weren't being treated the same as they were with me. So a lot of the a lot of the clients I had coming to Twit wanted me to buy for them elsewhere. So I started buying for some Sorry. of my clients and I started representing other networks. Cause why not? If I'm selling for my tech network, why can't I sell for five other technology networks and I can get bigger buys. Right. So that's how I started artisanal artisanal has been moved to the back burner since the pandemic started just because, okay. um, things blew up and got a little crazy. So for right now, my my agency is just kind of simmering and I'm gonna be pivoting it. I've started doing some sales training for other networks because of how I handle our sales here, people wanna capture and do, do elsewhere. So I do some consultancy on that and I'll probably start representing clients again, probably by summer. I feel like Twitch stabilized at this point and I wanna start using my agency again to help other podcasters get off the ground whether it be consulting them on how to do their own sales or also representing a few clients to go out in the market and buy for them um in 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 the podcast world uh you know i'll probably do that again soon where i'll charge a fee instead of a percentage you know absolutely yeah you would take like
0: fledgling podcasters like me and say hey for whatever i charge." You know, you can, we'll get you out there and promote you and whatever, right? Or you're looking for more networks.
1: I, 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 if I did something for a small a small That's person a pitch, like you, it way. would probably, no, it, I would help you. <laughs> I'll help you uh. offline for free, but typically for people like you, I'll give you like, here's the five or six things I would recommend. Um, generally a network or a client would probably be more the aim I would be looking for because the individual podcasters are generally too small for me to represent with what we do. I mean, for instance, like I, I would need a network of at least five or six shows, getting at least 40 to 50,000 downloads per episode for me right. to rep them on a yeah. you know on a client level basis. But to give advice or go in and help a network, like they don't wanna be bought by Spotify or Amazon and they wanna build sales and they don't know what they're doing, I would go in and go here's all the tools and meet with them and charge them either a flat rate or an hourly rate to show them what to do to get off the ground and get up and running. Um, you know, or they can struggle and build it themselves, but why? You know, I truly right. believe in standing on the shoulders of giants. I don't want to reinvent the wheel. I will go out and find out who's done something. But right. this is actually something we've mastered here. And, you know, 85% of our, of our um, audience has said they made a purchase based on an ad they heard on our network. People have said, oh. how did you get that? And I'm just like, oh, well, it started out at 60. When I took over our sales process, we're at 60. And now we're okay. at 85 And, um, you know, 99% of our audience listens to most or all of our shows. Um, And we don't overwhelm our audience with a zillion ads. And the ads we do bring them are what they want to hear. So what I want to do is help other networks. If you want to be ad supported, this is how you do it. You don't just Mm -hmm. go out and take anybody and everybody that throws money at you you want to make sure the frequency is right you want to make sure it fits your audience you want to make sure they're doing stuff elsewhere that's the other magic people are forgetting people that come to my network are like hey i want to be on your network what else are you doing oh nothing well no you got to be doing social ads google ads radios other podcasts like I'm not willing to sign someone and take their money if I don't feel we can actually do a good job for them. So um, that's where I'm probably different. I say no more than I say yes, and because okay. I, I, I I want it to be successful for for everyone. So that's how. Yeah, so I, that
0: means you can't take money from everyone because you can't right. help them all be successful.
1: Right. Right. How
0: many how many independent networks are there out there these days?
1: Oh gosh, there's lots. Um, Are I mean, there? I mean, there's, there's, there's probably not as many networks independent anymore. It seems like if anybody becomes decent, they're bought by Spotify, Amazon, right. um, but yeah. there's still a handful, you know, you know, NPR, well it's national public radio, right, there's WNYC, there's us. So there's, there's a handful of people, but I, I honestly don't know the headcount anymore cause I feel like every time I turn around someone's being bought. Um, So, so I like being independent. I mean, we have over 40 million downloads a year. We super serve a very niche audience and it's, um, it's a highly qualified audience that people want to reach. So, um, but I love our club too. That came out of, you know, the pandemic. How long have you been doing
0: that now? The club.
1: Um, we've been doing our club. It'll be one year next month. And you know we have uh, forty five hundred members, and it's okay. continuing to grow. And it's fun, you know. Um, and I have surprises for them coming up. I have another show we're going to launch that ma- might just be staying in the club. We have one club exclusive show. It's called the Untitled Linux Show, and that's staying in there for now. And um, it's Linux, as in the
0: operating system, L I N U X. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, so, yeah. Um, so we're having fun with it. And, and we also now offer our podcasts, if you wanna buy one of our podcasts, um, instead of joining our club, you can buy a podcast on Apple instead, if you wanna ad free versus with ads. So mm-hmm. we're starting to look around and we're doing a few more things. And I'm hoping with the pandemic lifting, we, could, we can do some events again. And we used, to, we used to have a few more offerings before the pandemic hit, but now we have some new ones and right. maybe we can bring those back.
0: Yeah, well, I, I, you know, I try and tell business owners don't have one revenue model. Don't have you got to build other revenue streams, even if it's your core business. That's fine, but you still got to build other revenue streams because things change and there's other ways to reach people. And you know, people don't think about that. Unfortunately, yeah. they just don't. Well, I
1: thought about it really hard two years ago. <laughs> And now I'm actually paying more attention to that. And what like what else should we be doing? What else could we could we have? What shows can we launch? So, you know, it was I would say we're a little bit in turtle mode for two years during the pandemic, but also launching the club. And this is the first year we've launched, you know, our first show this week in space. And we're looking to launch a couple more shows this year and get back to that. But I'm constantly looking at what else we should be doing instead of um just sticking to what we're doing.
0: Yeah. Well, I got to say, I usually finish this by saying like, what's one of the two th- pieces of advice you have for entrepreneurs? But this episode has been full of advice about entrepreneurship and what people should do and how they should look into, even not just the podcasting industry, but entrepreneurship in general. So I can't ha- thank you enough for, you know, spending an hour with me on a Friday. Um Where are you? are out West, is that?
1: Yeah, California? we're actually in, we're so in, in Petaluma, like California. So we're in 1030? Sonoma County. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. So your day's just getting started right out here. It's middle of the day. It's freezing, although it's going to be colder on Monday. So it is what it is. But I, I thank you for spending some time with me and let's please stay in touch. I want to stay in touch with the network and see what you guys are doing and learn and learn and learn.
1: Oh, it was fantastic. Um, thank you for having me on. And, you know, if, if, if anyone's like, if they want, I have a blog too. So lisalaport.ceo is my um, okay. CEO blog. We'll put blog. that all in the
0: show notes too.
1: Yeah. And so, it, you know, if people are curious, take a look at what we do. I have an advertise page, twit.tv slash advertise. If you want to see who our advertisers are, we actually have testimonials. We have sample ad reads of what we do. So if anyone's curious and they think they want to be on our tech network, reach out to me. I'll be happy to help you out and if I don't feel we have what you need I'll point you in the right direction
0: Lisa thanks so much thank you if you like the podcast please tell others about us you can find us on Apple podcasts on Google podcasts on Amazon music and many of the other podcast directories if you like what you hear please leave us a five-star review and feel free to share our episodes on social media if you have any questions or comments ideas for the show or you'd even like to appear as a guest Reach out to us by email at info at BinehackerLaw.com. The Accidental Entrepreneur is hosted and produced by me, Mitch Binehacker. If you'd like more information about my legal services, you can find me on social media or visit my website at BinehackerLaw.com. Thanks for listening, and be sure to subscribe to our feed to be notified of all future episodes.